welcome to podcast number three of this series for Tabletop Gaming Magazine. In this episode, we're going to be looking at wargaming and miniature models. I think out of all the podcasts I'm doing, this is the topic where some of the listeners could be most passionate about. We'll look at the reasons exactly why that is, and we'll also be here for some great interviewees in this episode. This includes Alessio Cavatore, who was a former employee of the Games Workshop, and is the founder of his own publishing company, River Horse. And we'll also be hearing from Vincent Pritchard, the head designer of Ghostbusters 2, the board game. So here's what you can expect from this episode. Well, miniatures certainly give a far more um, tactile, uh, 3D feel to, to the whole experience, I think, yeah. You can move them a certain amount of space on the table, and that represents the actual movement of the, of the character. You can put things on the character model itself, and it acts as, like, being a marker for a specific thing. So what is wargaming? For those who don't know, wargaming is played by two or more players who control equally sized armies, usually based from a point system. The figures are usually sized at one and a half inches, but this can vary with bigger models representing a stronger unit. It is typically played on a large board containing scenery and obstacles. As suggested in the title, the themes and designs are predominantly that of an army. However, these can be designed to look like a real-life military, or take inspiration from fantasy and science fiction, with monsters and alien races taken to battle. We can trace back the origins of wargaming to chess, which has players deploy a similar skill, strategy and positioning. It was during the early modern period, though, that war games were beginning to try and present themselves with realistic battle strategies. Academic Paul Sherman has categorised early war games by being symmetric or situational. Similar to chess, symmetrical games gave both sides an identical number of pieces and in the same positions. These games were used to train young officers on the basics of warfare. Situational games differed in that they presented players with a strategic or tactical situation. This in some ways represented a more realistic representation of a battle, and was actually sometimes applied in preparation for future conflicts. As I previously mentioned, present-day war games have really expanded their themes, taking on elements of science fiction and fantasy. Without doubt, the largest competitor in the wargaming market is Games Workshop, and their franchises of Warhammer 40,000 and Age of Sigmar. Taking Warhammer 40,000 as an example, players purchase and assemble a force of futuristic monsters and aliens, and pit them against a fellow player's customised force. Alessio Cavatore worked as a game designer for more than 15 years at Game Workshop. He now runs his own games publishing company, River Horse. I asked him what the differences were to playing war games compared to other tabletop games. Well, miniatures certainly give a um, tactile, uh, 3D feel to, to the whole experience, I think. Uh, if you play with cardboard counters and 2D material, uh, obviously, some of them are gorgeously illustrated and look very nice, but I think the moment you actually can deal with a 3D uh, element that you can hold and look at and admire the details of and maybe paint if it's uh, if it's not pre-painted, so it adds a completely different level to the experience for sure. I also pose a similar question to Vincent Pritchard, who's the lead designer of Ghostbusters 2, the board game. So most of my experience has been for card games. I make a lot of card games on my own. Switching from the idea that the game has a like no no representation of what you're actually playing with in a 3D space 
to playing with things that represent your character. You can move them a certain amount of space on the table, and that represents the actual movement of the of the character. You can put things on the character model itself, and it acts as like being a marker for a specific thing. It's something you kind of can't really do very well with just cards or just dice. It adds this extra layer of like capability of gameplay to the game that is very difficult to emulate any other way. War games do appear to be a platform whereby you can immerse yourself right into the game. Many of the game's mechanics are dependent on your strategy. Firstly, your choice of units, then where you deploy them, move them, and how you go about attacking your opponent. Like all good tabletop games, a degree of luck is involved, a good roll of the dice, or maybe an opponent makes an error. But you could argue putting luck in the game makes the battle more realistic. One element of wargaming that Alessio briefly mentioned was painting. Many wargaming models come as a blank canvas, with the freedom of painting and designing available for the player. This can add another hobby within the whole wargaming experience. I asked Alessio how important this element was to wargaming. Well, I mean, it certainly is a very important component of, uh, of, the, of the hobby. Uh, I don't think it's 100% necessary, as in some people like paintings and people don't some people prefer games which have uh there's a painting painting element in it some people prefer pre-painted personally i'm not a great painter so i am more about uh the playing of the games so for me is not a key factor on a personal level but of course in a commercial in a commercial sense i understand that uh, a lot of people love the painting element of it the creativity of it the uh, almost the the moment the mo- those quiet moments when you can sit down and uh, paint your models listening to music or to blogs indeed <laughs> like this uh, you know I-, I can see why people enjoy that like alessio you might not be the greatest painter but that shouldn't put you off wanting to play war games however what might be a concern is the price it costs to really amass a large and varied collection as franchises like Warhammer continue to introduce and update new units and races, the incentive is that players will be encouraged to expand their collections. Wargaming, though, is not the only tabletop game that includes the use of miniature models. You can often find more compact games that include the mechanic of moving around a model or a figure. You've all heard of Cluedo, right? But these games can take on much more themes than just a murder mystery. Vincent Pritchard developed one about the franchise Ghostbusters. Here is explaining the game to give you a feel of how it works. So Ghostbusters the Board Game 2 is a cooperative four to six player miniatures game where you go through a campaign of scenarios that either end in the Ghostbusters stopping the river of slime that flows under New York City from erupting and destroying the entirety of the city and afterwards the world or being devoured by the ghosts and otherworldly factions that have come up into the world through that river of slime. It uses a set of miniatures both for the characters and for the ghosts, and a set of modular like map tiles, and a deck of scenario cards that you can use to use all of the the previously mentioned uh, components to build the map for each bit of the campaign. So is there anything else that stands out to make these miniature games so entertaining? With these games there's often a story that you play along with as you progress. In-depth histories and laws are often included to help you really immerse yourself within the game. Alessio told me how this was crucial for the games. Yeah, I think that the um the IP, the story is massively important. I think uh, what keeps you 
invested, what keeps you going back to the game and play the game again and again often is the is the story is the story that unfolds during each game the the story in your head as you prepare your army the story that uh, you know it develops during the the game so i think certainly that richness of background is is vital i think to, to for the longevity of the game you, you i don't think just the rules on their own can can support that you need the rules good rules and, and a good ip and good models you need all three you may need all three but as Vincent told me, when developing Ghostbusters, it required him to put a lot of effort in. Oh my god, there's so much source material. I literally spent an entire month of my job going to work, watching the Ghostb- the real Ghostbusters cartoon show from the 80s, reading comic books, and then going home. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, that's super cool to just be like, oh yeah, I go to work and I watch cartoons and read comic books. But you should see the just spreadsheets and handwritten notes and documents upon documents of like minutia and details that you have to that you have to have for everything and especially when you're working with a miniatures game because you might not even get like a full view of the thing that you're trying to represent in three dimensions so there's possibilities that there's a thing on their back that we've never seen anywhere and so we have to take that chance to be like well based on what we know about the character or the origin of it or like little tiny snippets of perhaps even unreleased stuff what could this thing as a whole look like so this has been a podcast on war games and miniature models there's been a brief history about the games and some discussion on the differences to the rest of the tabletop gaming world what are your thoughts though do you agree with what Alessio and Vincent have to say is there something else about miniatures that really attracts you to playing them if you feel like you have something to say about the podcast, then please don't hesitate to leave a comment. I hope you'll enjoy listening, and maybe learn something along the way. Thank you once again, and I hope you'll join me for the final podcast of the series, which is going to be looking at the clubs where you can play all your tabletop games. I'm Johnny Crawford, and I'll see you later.